I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42. If you don't have your Bibles, um, the words will be up on the screen in just a few moments. Um, last week, I talked about Psalm and, and taught through uh, Psalm chapter 3. And some of you um, that weren't here, you can go back and read Psalm 3. I don't know that there's any text of Scripture that is studied and probably taught on more than the book of Psalms. And you might be like, I haven't really heard much on this book of Psalms. That's fine. There's five books it deals with and encompasses all kinds of things uh, from praise and worship to poetry to even some lamenting and all of that type of stuff. This, these were, uh, the, the text of the Psalm, uh, the Psalms really were meant to be sung, often played to a harp, um, would oftentimes lead into a worship service or experience. I'm not, again, I'm not going to sing. I'm going to teach, uh, continue to teach through some of these texts that I find very important for the body of Christ. Uh, some are, are asking, how would I do with this, this stuff? And I, in the weeks to come, I may even teach on how to pray through the Psalms because those, these particular verses have been powerful to me over the years of how you can actually sit alone, get alone with God, read through what, what uh, God was speaking specifically to a, maybe a particular author of a psalm or, or a, a, a poet as they're writing the psalm. And it's, it's really good for you to learn how to experience the life of God through these particular messages in psalms. And, and so last week I talked about being, living victoriously in the midst of adversity. Living victoriously in the midst of adversity. And some of you, you got it and you were praying, God, help me live victoriously because undoubtedly we face adversity. We do. You will. I will. And so on. Today, I would like to tackle the topic of living relentlessly over depression. Living relentlessly over depression. And one doesn't have to go very far to realize that we live in a depressed culture. In fact, um, depression, uh, to me, often comes in waves in which I'll open up my, you know, take out my iPhone out of my pocket and I'll open up the USA Today or whatever, you know, news app you have and you read a story and one of the latest stories is in Massachusetts, a 14-year-old goes into the bathroom of his 24-year-old teacher at school and punches her in the face, cuts her throat, and kills her. And I'm like, what? How is that possible? And of course, if you study history, you can lament many, many things that have occurred and situations in your life that have existed today. I open up the news, and I shouldn't. I need to get away from it. But I open it up to read a story of five family members that were killed, four children, I believe it was one mother in Brooklyn, murdered just as of yesterday. I mean, it's, and you're going, you know, on, on 14 years old on down to nine and, and, and so forth, and they don't give the names, but you read that, and at some moment, you can become gripped with depression, which in my understanding is a deep sorrow that may well up in your soul. And I like what Dr. Klein wrote, and he says that depression is feelings of dejection, sadness, apathy, and inertia, I think is what he said, difficulty in giving, gaining energy or excitement, 
fatigue, pessimism, hopelessness, fear, attitudes of worthlessness, loss of interest, inability to experience pleasure, or loss of self-esteem or potential. And it's experienced, he said, by almost everyone at some point. And he wrote in the Journal of the American Medical Association that most uh, more suffering has resulted from depression than from any other single disease that exists in humanity. In fact, there's 19 million, as I was studying this last week, 19 million North Americans that are severely depressed, is what some studies are saying. And that's not even including those that deal with moderate depression, that wrestle with that, that the feelings of deep sorrow to some degree and I wonder I wonder and I wonder if you've ever wondered this is it wrong to be depressed you know have you ever met somebody and you know you're like down and they're like up and you're, you know and they come to you and 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 you know you're you're feeling down and they're like wanting to say happy things to you and you're just like just shut up and you might not be that kind. You might have said other things. I don't know. But, but where they're, they're, they're so happy and joyful, and you're just like, man, they need to get away from me. I'm going to punch them in the head. You, okay, maybe that's extreme. But the reality is, is some people are just, it's like this bubbly joyfulness, but yet that's yeah, not how you feel. The question is, is it wrong? Is depression at its core, is it wrong? I, uh, I love what Pastor Robert Marsh, he's actually from Wisconsin, uh, and I thought it was appropriate. He said, depression is an appropriate, God-given emotion in response to certain stimulus. What? You're like, that's so strange. You know, really? That depression is an appropriate, God-given emotion to res- in response to certain stimulus. To which I would say that then depression in and of itself isn't wrong. It's kind of like this. Let me frame it in and, and give it to you this way. Is that anger... Is anger sin? No, the Bible says that even Jesus was angry, but did not sin. You see, anger, when used to identify problems, is undoubtedly a good thing because it, like, moves you to get something done, maybe. But anger, when used to solve problems, can be so destructive. Depression, in the same way, if it's an appropriate God-given emotion in response to certain stimulus, then to understand that if you're facing depression, going through depression at any level, and some, for some of us, it's deeper and, and, and darker, and some of you may be going through it, and some of you might even be on medication for it, which I'm not knocking, but I'm saying that, that it's an appropriate God-given emotion. But what, do we, what we do with it will determine what we do with that emotion will determine really who gets the glory and how we break through and how we become free in the midst of living with depression. And I think that we have to live relentlessly. That means unyielding, uncompromising, moving, pressing on, seeking God to overcome this emotion that isn't evil or isn't even sinful because, because it identifies something. It's like this, again, is pain wrong? Pain is ne- not necessarily wrong. So going, I, I'm, I, I experience pain, pain, and I hate pain, all that type of stuff. But imagine if you didn't have pain. If you didn't have pain, your appendix might rupture, and you wouldn't even know it, and you would die right where you are if you didn't experience pain. 
Or what if you didn't have, you know, you didn't have any nerves that could tell you that when you place your hand on a stove, that when you place your hand on a stove, all of a sudden it's sitting there sizzling and burning. And then you pull it away and you don't even feel anything. But in the meantime, your skin is all, you know, re- being removed and you're getting infected and all that type of stuff. Pain is necessary as well as depression is necessary because it's an indicator that something potentially is wrong. Hence a God-given emotion. And when you and I learn to understand that we have depression and face depression and have that emotion that is appropriately God-given, then when it comes up, when we face it, maybe even when we sink down, we can identify the things in our lives that we need to identify to come through it so that ultimately we don't get destroyed. And ultimately we don't die or give play to the enemy of our soul, Satan, who wants to ultimately take and destroy our lives. So I would say... Let's, let's wrestle this topic of depression and how to be, live relentlessly over it. And, and, and when you ponder it and you think about it, the heroes of the faith in the text of Scripture were people that must have needed meds every day of their life almost. Seriously. Where it's like when you listen to the, in, your, in, in, in Elijah... And he goes and he has a great victory, and you can study in the book of Kings, you can study about how Elijah, this prophet, was going, and, and uh, he had a great victory occur, and then he goes out into the wilderness and becomes depressed, and then he ultimately goes to a mountain, and in that mountain, he says, God, I want to see you face to face, and God's like, I can't do that, but I, I am going to come, and I'm going to minister to you, and he, all of a sudden there's like an earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake, and, and then there was a mighty rushing wind and God wasn't in that and then there was fire and God wasn't in that and then there was stillness and it was God and this man at some point in knowing God and having this personal relationship said these words why don't you just kill me God that doesn't sound too joyful does it and in the stillness, which is an example of what the church must do. If you don't learn, if you don't move, to sit still, be quiet, listen, and learn, you will never hear the voice of your Heavenly Father the way He intended you to hear His voice. So, so huge. Okay? Keep trucking through the text of Scripture. And there's, if you look at other people, Jeremiah, Oh, cursed is the day that I was ever born! That sounds pretty joyful, doesn't it? Hey, man, Jeremiah, and if, by the way, if you ever read about his life in the text of Scripture, it sucked. It was a point-blank, sucky life. It was awful to the point of you go, why would I even want that life? But yet that was his calling. Job, go there. First book of the, uh, probably the oldest book in the Bible ever to be written, as scholars have stated. And Job's life, I mean, his wife is saying, curse God and die. And he goes, oh, that I was, would never be born. People, as you read through the text, and these are people that loved God, served God, wouldn't, re, you know, talk against God. They were for God, but yet they were, you know, and they were heroes, yet they still struggled with this God-given appropriate emotion called depression. Oh, and if that's not enough, Jesus, Jesus would feel power go out of him, 
would get exhausted, was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was ultimately taken and charged uh, wrongly and taken to a cross. And he's sitting there and he's using words like um, where he's having, I'm exceedingly sorrowful, oh God. And it was like he was going into the depths of a depressed moment. Your heavenly father through Jesus Christ, his son, had these feelings of deep sorrow, these God-given appropriate emotion, and he just wrestled with it like probably we do. But did he sin? No, he didn't. The Bible says he does, did not sin. I, I like what C.S. Lewis said, the times I find myself, C.S. Lewis being a great Apollo, Christian apologist, the, the times I find myself most vulnerable to the attacks of depression is after defending Christianity most brilliantly. I don't know if you've ever faced that. I don't know if you ever go through that. But I'm telling you, you want to feel a, the depths. It's like you get out, you pour your soul. You share it to a neighbor. You share it with a, with a loved one. You go out and you talk about hope and all of that. And then you go home, and in the, in the moment of silence, you're going, I'm nothing, you know. I'm worthless. I mean, the, Lord, my life, look, compared to them. And those are the times I faced attacks. And I wonder if you've ever faced those attacks. And, and is it wrong and is it sin? Because, again, if we were to all be gut-wrenchingly honest in this room, and I were to say, how many of you have had this, this feeling of deep sorrow called depression? That probably all of us at some point have and if I even had some of you go, I'm going to have you stand, those of you that have even contemplated taking your life. That we would be shocked in this room of the people that have those emotions and feelings. It would be difficult probably to even palate, knowing who's wrestling with what and going through what beneath the surface of your soul. So what do you do with that? How is it that you, that you wrestle this appropriate god-given emotion down you know because of the this you know and, and all the stimuli stimuli or stimulus that's around you uh what do you do with that interestingly this last week i uh was out west and i golfed a couple days and um uh suffering for jesus um having some meetings with an organization called equip and and we um, were on the Monterey Peninsula, and I don't know if you've ever been to the Monterey Peninsula of California. By the way, if, if don't you know, think too great of that. I mean, we were there, Angel and I, and it was cold and foggy, and I, you're like, oh, I feel so bad for you, Jason. It was cold and foggy. I was actually looking at the temperature, and I'm like, it's like colder here than it is back home. This is so wrong, God. And then I, and then I sunk into deep sorrow. No, I'm just messing. Um, with that, uh, I was on hole 14, and... Um, as I was out there, they have, like, deer everywhere. I mean, they're just, like, I mean, breeding, and, you know, it's a hunter's dream, though they're not as big as the deer here, you know. But there's still deer around, and I'm sitting and thinking, man, if I just had a rifle, okay, some of you are like, again, you're mean or whatever. Okay, I'm a hunting pastor, okay? Like, okay, now, all of a sudden, as we're on hole 14, this 10-point buck comes running out of the trees towards the tee box that I'm on. I have my driver in my hand, and I'm thinking, and I didn't club the thing to death, okay? If you're like, boy, this is going to go south real quick. No, I have this driver in my hand, but it's running to, to, towards me, and I'm thinking, if you've ever, if you're a hunter, or if you're somebody that would ever, like, consider hunting or whatever, 
you know that a buck running towards you, if it doesn't stop, or if it's what for, it, maybe it's sick, you know, maybe it's maybe it's depressed. I don't know. And and it, and it was running towards me, and it just was getting coming. I'm thinking, God, I've got a driver. It's a good driver. I don't want to like waste the driver on this buck, but if I have to, you know what? I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give it up. And then it took a like a left turn and went into the woods. And I'm like, wow, that was interesting. And wow, that was kind of close and, and all that. And as we got in the golf cart and as we were heading down the path, I looked in the woods and there the buck was. And there was just this little, there's like puddle of water that was there and he was drinking the water. And I thought, oh God, that couldn't have fit better than for this illustration that I need for Psalm chapter 42. And he's like, you're welcome. And so that with that, Let's go there, and let's look at Psalm 42 and, and realize that God is wanting us to live relentlessly and overcome this, this depression, though, again, it's not wrong, but not how do we deal with it if it's something that's not wrong and we face it? And this is what Psalm 42, and by the way, this is, this is a poetic, contemplative text. This text here is one that is meant to be contemplated and thought through, and, 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 it's, and it's one that we ha- are, are going, this potentially is my life to some degree. And so it, the, the writer of this psalm, which is not David, they don't believe it is, and, and uh, it's, it's written by probably some um, leader within the church that uh, penned it, and, and here we go. As the deer... Pants for the water brooks. Okay, it's the illustration that, that the culture gets and got back then. So my soul pants for thee, O God. Now, just so you know, their panting probably is, is an illustration of being exhausted. That when you get to the point where you are panting and longing for or desiring something, you're absolutely exhausted. Ever been there? You're like, yeah, I'm exhausted right now. I'm sitting here today and I'm thinking, man, I just would love to be laying down on my couch or in my, in my bed. I'm tired. And some of you are going, I'm beyond, I'm not just tired, like I'm tired of life. I'm tired of my circumstances. I'm tired of my job. I'm tired of the facing the battles that I face and the people that I face. I'm tired of it. Ever feel that way? Ever feel so exhausted that you're going, man, that's, that's me, and so I need something. And so what do you do? You look for it. You, you look for what you're needing. The panting that you do is often in pursuit of what? Getting things, more money, a greater job, another wife. You know, yeah, let's have another child. Life will be good. We'll do something that will fill that void, that thing that we're panting for. When God says what you're panting for or what you should be panting for is not for those things, though those aren't wrong. You should be longing for me. I'm the only one that can take your exhaustion away. Period. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. In fact, my soul, that word there, could be more operatively uh, put as, I crave for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Question mark. And for some of us in this room, we're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. When is it that I come and I might appear before God? Well, Sunday morning, it's great to come and appear before God and come and worship and raise your hands and sing. and It's wonderful. You should it's great. The church should not 
forsake, the Bible says, assembling together and getting together. You need, we need each other, and there's something about being around people that go, wow, we're in this together, and even though I'm down, or even whatever circumstances you might be facing, you go, I come, I gather, and, and uh, when, when shall I come up here before God? Not just here. If you're waiting for Sunday mornings to be your source, you are going to be one starving deer. If you wait for Sunday morning to be the time in which you go, you know, that's why so many people put so much stock on Sunday morning, and if it doesn't have X amount of things, or this doesn't happen, or this didn't break out, it's like we missed it. When the reality is, is God is speaking and ministering day in and day out, Sunday to Sunday in our lives, if you will listen. So when do you come and worship God? Every day of And when you exempt yourself from worshiping the one true God, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you just come, on, come in on Sunday, of course you're going to feel like you're, you're, you're leaving potentially empty. And some of you go, oh, I got a little bit in my tank, only to like three hours later be going, you know what, I'm depressed. Because when do you come and worship God? The psalmist is saying, when do I do it? Into which our Heavenly Father would say, every day of every week you worship the one true God. And you do it alone and you do it corporately my tears verse three my tears have been my food day and night now that sounds like depression doesn't it my tears by the way it nothing like a good cry on a particular day if you've ever had one and it wasn't until i was 18 years old that i experienced my father crying i never saw him shed a tear and when it came out man it was like the deep recesses of his soul and when he broke I broke and I'm telling you there was nothing like watching my father uh, catch the power of the Holy Spirit in his life and be transformed and tears began to come but this person is saying my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long while who's they the world says to you through every resource every every wind every person that is in, in culture oftentimes will come and be like where's your faith or or Where's this God that you claim that, that, that is in your life? And, and, you know, I mean, really? I mean, did, and, and he's basically saying, did God forsake me? Did God really forget me? To which I would say, God hasn't forgotten you at all. God knows you. He knows your name. He knows, he knows where you live. He knew your beginning. He knows your end. God has not forgotten you. And some of you need to hear that today because you are in pursuit of knowing him. And he knows you're in pursuit of knowing him. And he has not forsaken you. And you're feeling that you're forsaken. You're feeling that you're forgotten. And your Heavenly Father goes, I know you're down. I know you're feeling depressed. I know all that. But, but hey, you're not forgotten. But that's how you feel. And that's reality to you because that's how you feel. But it doesn't mean that it's accurate. It doesn't mean that because you feel that he's not there, that he's not. And then, and then I love this, verse 4. These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. I, I remember these things, for I used to go along with the throng, got to be careful on that one, and lead them in procession to the house of God. I used to go along, what does that mean? There used to be a day, do you remember, and some of you might be here and some of you may not be, do you remember a day in which you gave your life to Jesus Christ? Do you remember a day that you got into the waters of baptism? And maybe some of you haven't, maybe some of you have not crossed that line, and you need to cross that line, and God is asking you to do that. When I fully surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, it was like no other day. I became so on fire, so passionate, I was even called into full-time ministry and service for God. 
I remember the moment in which I'm like, look out world, Jason's blazing trails for the king. Did you ever have that day? Did you ever have the day where there was such a fire burning in your soul that you had to share it with others? That God was doing something deep beneath and he was bringing victory and bringing hope and bringing joy. And you're just like, would somebody listen? I gotta share this. If you've ever been there, there's nothing like that. To those of you that have, and to those of you that when you gave your life to Christ or you surrendered something or you, or you asked forgiveness of your sins or you, you crossed that line and you got in the baptism and you had that fire, where's it gone? Where did it go? Did God somehow disappear from the scene? Did God somehow just go, oh, here you go, Merry Christmas, enjoy a couple months or a couple years, and now I'm out of here? God, our Heavenly Father, is wanting to place fresh fire in your bones, fresh anointing in your life. He is wanting to so transform you that the day that when which you had an encounter with the risen Savior, which is something supernatural and powerful, He's wanting to bring that day back into your life, and He wants you to live in the abundance of that relationship just like you did one day. And this psalmist is saying that. He's saying, I remember, and I used to pour out my soul within me, and I used to go along with people and lead them in procession to the house of God or to a place of worship with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude, keeping festival. I used to do that. That was me. Now, I'm going to stop there for a minute, and then I'm going to pray for you because of time. That some of you are facing depression, and as I was praying this week about how I was going to communicate this, and I'm going to wrestle this down a little bit more next week, is that some of you, us, are in depression because we're not taking care of ourselves. And just bear with me for one minute. Physically, did you know the number one way to deal with this this appropriate God-given emotion is through exercise? I mean, did you know that exercise can actually be very spiritual? Um, it can be through, through exercise. It can be through your diet and what you eat. It can be through the fact that, that you know, you're taking and you're writing. You're, you know, you're, you have some anger issues that are leading to depression. You have some things that are symptomatic. So you have anger that's leading to this, to this emotion of depression. You have, um, you have some pride that's leading to the emotion of depression. You have some maybe abuse from your past that's leading to emotion of depression. You have, uh, for whatever reason, you're, you're facing all of that. What I'm asking you to do today is to do an internal check relentlessly begin to pursue God, read through this text. I'm going to come back to it next week. Read through the text and allow your Heavenly Father to begin to reveal to you what that emotion that you have inside of you that's leading you deep down, what it, what's causing that. And let it be the indicator of what it is you need to deal with so that you can begin to move past that darkness and into hope and light in Christ. So that you don't have to live down it's symptomatic as something else. Is it wrong? No. It's saying there's a problem, but I'm going to bring you up out. And in, in some of you, it might be that you need, your, as you pen things down, and you begin to go, this is what I've been dealing with, and this is why I feel so disturbed because of this, 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 and this. As you pen it down, it might even be that you need to go find a good Christian counselor to help you talk through the things that you're facing so that you don't have to live so that you don't live in that state anymore. And my prayer for you is that you will get back to, and maybe you're like, I've never been there, but you'll get back to a place where with joy and thanksgiving, 
you can come and we can gather as a multitude and you can go, yeah, I was down, and yeah, I've been down, and I may be down again, but my God will lift me up. He'll lift me up. Bow your heads and close your eyes. As we relentlessly, as we unyieldingly pursue our Heavenly Father like the day that we once did, and a day in which we were so passionate, so that we don't have to live in this down place, this space that often is, is, is dark, and that our Heavenly Father is lifting us up out. Now with all heads bowed and eyes closed, today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can pray and ask Him to come and fill your life like never before. You're sitting here going, you have no idea how dark it's been and all of that. Today, what I ask you to do is find a place of aloneness even after this service and you begin to, 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 to pen down and write what it is that maybe you're feeling or going through and pray it. Give it to God. Surrender it. And, and as I said, don't be don't, don't hold back. Be relentless in pursuing God so that you can come out of out of this place and live in victory. That you can come out and be an overcomer of the depression that's symptomatic of other things that are going on. And your God is faithful. And if you'll sing this song with us today, I pray that our Heavenly Father will fill you and that you really, really, really will move to joy, hope, peace, love, kindness, the stuff that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit actively at work in you.